Matthew 20, uh, verses 1 to 16, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Um, from verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a, den- a denarius for the day and send them into his vineyard. Uh, den- a denarius is a, a daily wage for a, for a worker. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those um, came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give, um, I want to give the one who was hired last, the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Thank you, Devet. Keep your Bibles handy. There there aren't any sermon outlines today, so you're just going to have to follow along the old-fashioned way. Uh, and keep up as we work our way through this story. Uh, A friend once told me of a terribly unfair experience from her childhood. Uh, She was the youngest of three. She had two uh, older brothers. Uh, Every time they would go and visit their their grandmother or their Alma, uh, their Alma would give them jobs to be done. Uh, You know, who's going to pass up free labour? There's always work to be done. Uh, And so she would put all three kids to work Uh, and the job that she would most often give them is weeding, weeding the garden. Uh, Each of the children would be given a bucket, uh, same size bucket, and they would be told they had to come back when it was full. Um, Of course, full by almost standards, which means, you know, pressed down hard uh, to be properly full. But of course they did it because, well, Alma told them to uh, and you do what Almas tell you to do. Uh, But there was also pocket money to be earned. Uh, you could, you could, there was monetary reward for filling your bucket with weeds. But here's the catch. Uh, my friend's oldest brother, he would get $2 for a bucket. The middle brother would get $1 for a bucket and my friend would get 50 cents for a bucket. Now remember, all the buckets were the same size. Uh, all of them were compressed equally. How unfair is that? How, how, how infuriating. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. Call the Fair Work Commission. It's unfair. 
Uh, 25 years later, my friend still fumes over the memory. It's, it's, it's hard to let go. I mean, we hate injustice, don't we? That's, that's why we, we hold on to things like that. We hate being treated unfairly. It, it drives us crazy. And that's why I think after first impressions, we might hate this parable or at least greatly dislike it because it's really unfair, isn't it? It's, it's so unfair. Don't you sympathise with those men who were wor- hired early in the morning who worked throughout the day and still got the same wage as those who worked only an hour? That's unfair. That's crazy. And what's even worse is Jesus is saying his kingdom is like that. How can that be? How can the kingdom that he rules, the kingdom uh, where he is making things right, the kingdom that he's come down from heaven to bring to earth, how could it be unfair? How's that a good thing? Well, you know the truth? It is unfair. It is unfair. But what if unfair could be really good news for us? Because Jesus says it is. And we're going to see that as we work our way through this story this morning. Uh, the way Jesus crafts this story, it's, he's painting a very familiar scene to, to those standing around him, to his listeners. Uh, harvest time's come, the, the, the vineyard uh, is ready to have its grapes gathered in and so for that task, to do it as quickly as possible, the more workers are needed, uh, more labourers are to be hired. Now there's no phones, you don't put an ad on Gumtree or in the paper back then, Uh, what happens is those who are without work gather in the village square and they they wait to be selected for work. Uh, It's a very risky uh, existence. There's no guarantee of work, there's no uh, assurance that you'll be selected to to get a job that day. It's day-by-day existence. I mean, just try to imagine what that would be like. You don't have a regular job, you don't have a contract, You don't have a wage that comes into your account every week. There's no Centrelink just in case you don't get work that day. Your only hope is that you will be selected by an employer out of the crowd. And so early in the morning, five o'clock before the sun is up, you and all the other unemployed walk into town. You, You go to the Woolies car park or the little square next to Banjo's and you gather there all together waiting for employers to come through and select how many workers they need for that day. And maybe you might be chosen. Uh, You don't have savings in the bank. You've got no superannuation. There's only a few dollars in your wallet and your pantry has only a couple of cans of food and maybe a little bag of sad sprouting spuds at the bottom. That is all you have. And your family, your wife and your kids, they're at home relying on you to get work for the day because the only way that they are going to have food on their table that night is if you are employed and if you earn a day's wage. That is a desperate existence and day after day it repeats. Well, in the story, uh, the landowner comes down six o'clock in the morning, the start of the working day and out of the the crowd of workers he selects those that he would like to employ for that day. Uh, He chooses them out, he gathers them to himself and he says, I'm going to pay you a denarius, would you like to work? They say yes of course, because they need the work and a denarius is a fair pay. Fair pay. That's, that's a good wage. 
So they're happy and he's happy. But as the day progresses, uh, we find more workers are needed on the vineyard. Uh, The third hour, nine o'clock in the morning, the landowner goes down again. Look at verses three and four. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. Of course, we assume I'll I'll pay you whatever is right, uh, the pro rata fraction uh, of the day's wage. So they're in line for three quarters of a denarius, we assume. That's fair. Three quarters of a day work, three quarters of a wage. But see, Jesus has already told us something really important here, hasn't he? Jesus has already revealed something quite significant about his kingdom. He's telling us and he's telling the audience a place in his kingdom is only by grace. I don't know if you saw that in this story. It's not that these men are so worthy that the landowner has to employ them, you know, he can't help but choose them. These men are desperate. This is their last hope and it's purely his choice to put them at work at all. See, the only way in to his kingdom for needy people is via him. It's by grace. But now our story takes a bit of a strange turn. Look at verses 5 through 7. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. It's strange, isn't it? The landowner goes out again. He goes out at midday. He goes out at 3pm. He even goes out at 5 o'clock in the afternoon with only one hour in the working day left. It's crazy. It's crazy. (coughs) Excuse me. I mean, what farmer doesn't know how many employees he needs at the start of the day? I mean, every farmer says, I I have this much crop, I need this many workers, that's it. Uh, Certainly the first time, let alone the second. So why is he doing it? Why is he going out? He's got the workers he need. I mean, is is he the the worst uh, HR manager in history? I don't think so. I mean, remember, the landowner is God in this story. It's not likely he's making a mistake, especially a mistake that big. Now, when you stop and think about it, we realise that he's not hiring for the sake of the vineyard. He's hiring for the sake of the workers. I mean, we, we, we assume as the audience at this point that these, these men still hanging around, hired late in the day, will, will get their fraction of the day's wage. I mean, not much, but something. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I mean, after all, a few dollars in your pocket at the end of the day is far better than nothing at all. It's something to show the family when you get home. Uh, if you're a worker, you've been hanging in that square all day long with nothing to do, you're going to take this opportunity. It's, it's better than nothing, isn't it? See, in economic terms, this landowner is nuts. No, the, these hirings, they're totally unnecessary. They're a waste of time. They're a waste of money. Yet that's exactly Jesus' point. He's teaching that it's more grace. There's extra grace here even that God wants even more in his kingdom, that he's even doing, willing to do the most incredible things to extend that opportunity. 
even the very most desperate, find a place in and with him. But now the story takes an even more bizarre twist. Look at verse 8. <coughs> when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So far, all normal, that, that's how pay was administered then. But look at verse 9 and 10. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. Isn't that strange? The, the first ones who have worked, they've only worked one hour and yet they receive a full day's wage. It's, it's incredible. I mean, they, they would have been wrapped. They never would have expected something like that. Then come along those who've worked 12 hours, the, the full day through the heat of the day, the burden of the work, and they also receive one denarius. And you can see quite clearly what their reaction is. They are not wrapped. They are not thrilled. I mean, they're expecting, well, we've worked 12 more hours, 12 times the pay. What a great payday we've got coming. I mean, the, the, the listeners here, they're confused. And the workers in the story, they are furious. I mean, how unfair is this? They have laboured, they have slaved away. And now they feel like they've been dudded. They feel like it was a waste and they've been treated unfairly. But look at the response of the landowner. Look what he says to their complaining. Verse 13. But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? See, the landowner is telling us three things here. He's telling us, first of all, he's just. He hasn't treated anyone unfairly. Those who came uh, first, they were paid exactly what they'd agreed to pay for. They were happy for it at the time and now they've received it. They've not been cheated. They got what they agreed to, a good wage at that. <coughs> but secondly, he's saying the boss has exactly the right to do uh, with his resources as he pleases. He's not answerable to his workers. If this is how he wants to pay, then this is how he pays. He's not bound by their opinion. He can give as he wants. But thirdly, we see that the landowner is graciously generous. He doesn't give according to what is fair. He gives because he is generous and he gives according to that gracious generosity. See, the key phrase to this story is that last one that he says to them, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? That's the key. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? See, all our reactions to this story, the reactions even of the workers to some degree, are right. This story is unfair. It's completely unfair. And that's the point. This story is not meant to be what's about what's fair and what's not. It's not fair and in fact that's the good news of this story because Jesus is teaching us about how God distributes entry into the reward of entry into his kingdom. 
and he's saying to us, he doesn't do it fairly. He doesn't do it as is deserved and that ought to be of great relief to us. Because you want to know what fair looks like? Fair looks like only one person ever getting into this kingdom. Fair looks like entry being for Jesus alone because no one else has earned it. I mean, after all, ask yourself, would it be fair to let people who grumble against the landowner in, who complain to the landowner, who ignore the landowner, would it be fair to let rebels into this kingdom, traitors into this kingdom? Would it be fair to let the ones who had murdered the king into this kingdom? I mean, of course not. But that's who we are, isn't it? Paul says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. What have we earned in this story? Well, simply that, death. If we come to the landowner daring to ask for our fair pay for what we deserve, that is what we receive. That's all we've earned. But God's kingdom is not about fair. It's about gracious generosity. Here's how Romans 6.23 finishes. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, entering God's kingdom, receiving the reward of the eternal reward, is not fairly earned. It's about what is graciously given. And to all who put their faith in Jesus, it is a gift that is given freely. Eternal life in his kingdom. See, incredibly, Jesus got what we deserved. He got what we had earned. And we get what he deserved. It's not fair. It's grace. See, when you read this parable, don't mistake who we are in it. We're not the ones who had earned anything good. We're the ones who received grace. Whether we've been a Christian long, for many years, or only a few, it is still grace. It is nothing we've earned. Uh, there's an old philosophy joke uh, going around, uh, and in it, uh, a scientist, a very famous scientist, is is presenting a lecture uh, about astronomy and he's describing the universe, the stars and the galaxies and how they move and, and all the wonders of space. And he comes to the end and, and after the applause, uh, a little old lady stands up and, and says to him, Sir, you're, you're clearly very intelligent, uh, but you're totally wrong. <laughs> it's all rubbish. Uh, this world is a flat plate that rests on the back of a giant turtle. Everyone knows that. Oh, the, the scientist, he, he gives a little superior smile uh, and he says to the lady, but then what's the turtle standing on? Well, the, the, the old lady says, well, you, you are a very clever young man. Uh, well done, good question. But everyone knows it's turtles all the way down. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. It is grace all the way down. Generous, extravagant, wonderful grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. That is how his kingdom works. But we can't end there. 
because we need to ask ourselves, why did Jesus tell us this parable? Well, like most kingdom parables, it has two purposes. Jesus tells us this parable to sting the comfortable and to comfort the stung. For those who are stung, for the weak and the hurting, the desperate, there is great news here. There is wonderful news here. There is news that ought to make us rejoice and give thanks because how beautiful is grace? How rich is grace? How free and good is grace? I mean, we need to know that, don't we? We need to be reminded of that. We are so prone to forget that. We, we, we start looking at our flaws. We start looking at our unworthiness. We start hearing the, the accusations of the devil. We start looking at our world and realising that everything here is earned. So maybe it's true in God's kingdom too. I mean, how could I ever expect anything from God? And the answer is I can't. But I get it anyway, anyway because it is grace all the way down. Ephesians tells us time and time again he has lavished the riches of his grace on us. Desperate, needy, unworthy though we were, we are saved by that grace utterly freely. So celebrate. God hasn't given you what you deserved. He hasn't given you what is fair. He has given you grace. He knew exactly who you are, what you would do and he's given that grace nonetheless. He has given his kingdom as a reward earned for you by Jesus himself. But don't be tempted to take that grace for granted. Don't get too comfortable as the workers who worked first in the parable did. They, re- they received grace from God but they scorned it when they saw grace given to others. They're grumbling. When you read the story, they're grumbling, they're complaining. It's, it's jarring, it's so at odds with this story. I mean, up until that point, all you can do is marvel at grace, but here are people complaining about it. How? How could that happen? And yet it's a real risk, isn't it? Especially for those of us who've been a Christian for a long time. We can quite easily forget how good grace is. We can take it for granted. We can maybe even expect just a bit more than, than simply grace, than mere grace. I mean, other Christians, they get so much more than we do, don't they? They're able to buy that house that they want. They've got, they're able to drive that nicer car. They take more holidays than us. They might even be able to take an early retirement or a comfortable retirement or even retire at all. I mean, other Christians get all this great stuff. They have good health. They're not forever sick or in hospital. They have a life partner, a wife or a husband. Other Christians, they get kids and grandkids on top of all of this. Why not me? What have I done wrong? Why have you dealt so harshly with me, God? Why are you so generous to them and not me? But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Well, are you envious because I'm generous? So you can read your Bible very closely and you'll find in it that God has never promised to his people a retirement or holidays. He's never promised that you'll see the world. He's never promised comfort. He never promised children. 
nor wealth. He hasn't even promised health to his people. But he has promised grace. Are you content with that? Can you be content with grace that has saved you from endless despair? Can you be content with grace that has rescued you from your utter helplessness? Can you be content with grace which demanded nothing of you and gave you everything, even the life of his own son? Can you be content with grace which is lavish and free and immense and rich? Grace that will never let you down. Grace that will never disappoint you. Can you be content with simply grace as you've been given it? See, it's not for you to look at your life and to look at others and think what might have been or what could have been. I mean, their story is their story. Uh, as Aslan tells the character in one of the uh, Narnia Chronicles, no one has told any story but their own. Uh, why God gives to others as he does is his plan. It's for his purpose. You don't need to know that. All you need to know is that you have been shown grace in Christ and rejoice in that grace. Rejoice in the grace he shows to others and be glad for the grace that he has shown to you. Ephesians 4, 7 says this, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Uh, in Alice in Wonderland, the dodo uh, bird is quoted, Everybody has won and all must have prizes. It offends our sense of fairness. Uh, we don't really like that. It feels unjust, but it's good. It's very good, in fact. Because God hasn't given us as we deserved, but by grace, through faith, everyone has won. And everyone in Christ who trusts in him gets the prize. And what a prize it is. A place in his kingdom forever. What Jesus has won, we receive. Eternal life with God. Not because it's fair, but simply because it's grace. All the way down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your incredible and beautiful grace that you have shown. Rich and free and far more wonderful than we can even begin to comprehend. Father, a grace that has given your own beloved Son for a desperate sinner like us to rescue us. Father, we thank you for your grace. May we never take it for granted, but help us to rejoice when we see you show it to others, when we see its evidence in ourselves. Father, may that joy give us joy, uh, that grace give us joy. May it give us hope. May it give us confidence, knowing that you are our gracious God. In your name we pray. Amen.